episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I am, as always, I'm doing pretty darn well. How about yourself? I'm feeling energetic, feeling energetic, because I got my workout in. All right. (laughs) Very good. Yeah, I'm energetic too, but not because of my workouts, because I have a nice tall cup of steaming hot coffee in front of me. So yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. I wanted to touch on a couple of things that, first of all, having CJ on last week was awesome. Touch away, touch away. Yes, that was an awesome interview. Yeah, great stories there. But one thing I wanted to bring up that I thought was especially interesting, and we didn't, I didn't follow up on him on the when we had him here, but the methodology that he works, he sounds like he very much mixes as he goes. Yes. And that's something that certainly I have been a big opponent to. So it's just kind of <laughs> interesting to, to see how people's different workflow happens because it you know, obviously works really well for him. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I'm of the same mindset. I used to mix as I went and I decided I didn't like that process, but it, everybody's yeah. got their way they work. Yeah. And I guess maybe it has to do with, he's had a different skill level than I was when I did that. So <laughs> <Could be. laughs> caliber players and all that kind of stuff. So sure. But yeah, there was a lot of laughs. So that, that was a really, really good one. So, oh, yeah. but that's not what we're doing today. We're not reminiscing about having CJ here, which was awesome. But what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about a brand new, well, it's not brand new. It's been out for a while, but it is relatively quite new. And it is a reverb effect known as Neoverb. Made by Isotope. Isotope. Yeah. We've been doing a lot of reverb stuff, but we felt that this one kind of garnered a little extra attention because it is quite different, isn't it? It is. Well, it's not even quite different. It's it's pretty substantially different from most reverbs on the market. It is. And I suppose we should start by saying that if you're unaware of what Neoverb is, it's not a uh, reverb that tries to emulate a classic piece of kit. It's not trying to sound like a lexicon. And it's not an IR reverb either. So it's not emulating actual spaces. So it is very much a- Algorithmic. One of, yeah, it is algorithmic. And it's also, I would say, very modern reverb. Yes, in, I agree in that with that sense, statement. Yep, modern know. reverb. So what can we do with it? Well, everything as it were, right? <laughs> so maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll just kind of talk about how the layout of this plugin and why it is different. So. We have three types of reverbs in one, basically, don't mm-hmm. we? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It's three mixed into one. Yeah. But and you can separate them if you want, but it's you three can. different I'll, sections. So you can treat them as just one type. But what we have there to kind of clarify that is we have a reflection or early reflection type of reverb with mm-hmm. its own set of parameters. We have more of a medium size type of reverb in there, which is going to be a medium chamber, a room, or a plate. Mm-hmm. And we have, the third one is a larger size type of reverb, which is a large chamber or a hall. And blending those three types of reverbs together can create some really interesting reverber, reverberable effects. Yeah. And it has... Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> I don't want to. The uh, The interface about it... Essentially, the interface here is a triangle with a little bit of a bubble to it. And you have a little dot that allows you to shift between these different reverbs so that you can blend them in various ways. And of course, if it's in the center of this triangle, then you're getting an equal amount of all three. But anywhere else, you're getting more of one or two than the other. 
And it's pretty handy the way it's actually laid out with a GUI, I think, mm -hmm. that each one of these points has a different color assigned to it. And that's on visual well, representation. It, exactly. Yeah. So the early reflections are blue. The medium spaces are more of like a magenta, kind of purple type of thing, and more of an orange for, for the larger ones. And what that does is like it goes through the whole plugin GUI with all the parameters and everything that have the same color attached to it. So it's easy to kind of keep track of what it is because you mentioned the layout there, but it can be as simple as you want, but you can also really, really get into the nitty gritty here. So yes. That's what we'll discover. So. Well, and I would like to kind of clarify that simplistic or the complexic. How about that word, complexic? The simpler complex nature of it. <laughs> that, that's a lot of points on the Scrabble board, isn't it? Right. So the idea of it, keeping it simple is that you don't really have to open up and get in depth with any one of these pieces of reverbs. And it does have presets that you can switch through or something that creeps it even more simple is there is a reverb assistant, as Isotope calls it. And that allows you to click on that button and then it says play and you hit play on your DAW and play whatever source material you want through the reverb. And then it will give you suggestions of like, hey, we think that if you want something light and airy, this is your selection. If you want it dark and broody, you get this. And it has choices that you can make and then, then you don't really have to be out there dialing it all in. Yeah, so you can get something really quickly there. And it's if people are familiar with... Ozone mm -hmm. and the, the mastering assistant that is there. It's very much the same thing. You set a couple of basic parameters where you're kind of looking for, and like you described, it listens to the audio and sets some decent parameters as a starting point. Now, you could just sort of set it and forget it, but you have obviously the ability to, to tweak. tweak from there yes. if, it, if it doesn't work. So it's a clever thing, actually, I think that they do there with, with Isotope 4. A lot of their plug-in range, when they do this sort of, I hesitate to say artificial intelligence, but it really <laughs> is. It's kind of like machine learning, yes. which is a different thing. But it is cool if you want to just kind of go and do something really, really quickly. Quick but and dirty, it, quick and easy. Yeah. But if you're of the tweakable, nerdy kinds that you and I are, we can get really, really deep with it. So Yes. But maybe we should talk a little bit more about the air quote here, simple mode first. We have okay. that sort of X, Y, Z axis, right? Mm -hmm. And the triangular axis that you're the talking The triangular about, thing, yeah. And then we have simple controls for, it's called a space knob, right? For each one that's associated with it, where we can have that be a larger space, essentially, for each one of those parameters, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a quick thing we want. Well, I want my plate to be bigger. Well, you can just adjust that there and then set your parameters in that little purple, blue, or orange axis, how much, what, what's heaviest of them all, what takes more prominence in the reverb. And it doesn't have to be anything more than that, really. Yep. But again, that doesn't stop us from going further, does it? No. So, <laughs> so what can we do, Jody? Well, on the side menu next to your nice triangular adjustment thing where you can say, well, I want more reflections and more hall, but less plate kind of thing. There's a little breakout menu that when you click it open, gives you more than just the space. You get how long in terms of time you get a size function, which increases the size of the room in terms of probably the number of walls. And then you've got diffusion as well. All these things are standard on most reverbs. 
And then you also have an attack function as well, which is how quick it's going to react to whatever is going through in terms of the sound source. Yeah. The way that on that attack, it's it's not necessarily kind of like a pre-delay. The way I look at it, we talked about a similar functionality of the 4ADL when we, when we talked about that. Mm-hmm. It is essentially how the reverb blooms yes. in time. So it's not that it's a delay. Let's say that if you have a snare hit, for example, it's not like a delay until it happens. It's how quickly the reverb sort of gets to full, massive hugeness, for one of a much <laughs> for, better phrase. For each section but, but it's of how, it as it is. Yeah. Again, it, it can help to think of it as an attack on a synthesizer, how the kind of the, the sound swells in, and in this case, the, the reverb does that. Because I did that first. I was thinking, okay, mm-hmm. well, this is the same as like a pre-delay. But no, it's no, not. No, it's not. It's, it's not even that, close. That part. Yeah. yeah. Then there's a whole tone section within this breakout setup. Yep. And in that, you can choose certain variabilities to it, like how much of the high frequency you want to be coming through before there's a low-pass filter on it and where the crossover section is between the high and the low when that happens. And then there's one other function that I think you should describe because it is a little bizarre, <laughs> and that's the damping function in relation to the high end. Yeah. This one feels almost to me, it feels backwards the way it is. Sort of like so, the 1176. Exactly, with the attack and the release knob. The way this works is the damping, obviously, you have a frequency you set where how quickly you lose top end in the reverb tail. Mm-hmm. So this is this function doesn't exist in in the reflections. This is just for like the medium and the large size of of the reverb. But you set again a cutoff frequency, and then you have a damping slider underneath it. Counterintuitively, <laughs> it seems, at least to me, right? I'm sure there's reasoning for it. But the higher the damping level is set, the slider is set. The longer it takes for the high frequency to roll off. So in other words, a short value means that you're gonna lose the high end quicker in the reverb tail Mm -hmm. as if a higher volume. So it's not like you're setting the amount of damping, it's the time that you lose the high end frequency of the reverb tail. It's a little strange in that regard, and I agree with you, but it still, it works really well once you get used to it. It might get too wordy, but if you think of that as Instead of damping, it's high frequency roll off or something. You something know? of that nature, right? <laughs> yeah, something. So, so it can feel a little bit backwards. But like you described here, there's a lot of tweakability going on here. And one thing that I want to mention too, because I said this when we were talking again in the 480 episode, mm-hmm. I said that I am unaware of any reverb that you can sync the tail to the tempo of the song. Right. Well, I'm corrected here because with NeoVerb, <laughs> you can absolutely do that. Right. So you can have it be just sort of in, in milliseconds or whatever what we want, but you can actually tempo sync it to your host. Right. So that, that's pretty handy if you do that. You want it to be one beat. You want it to be a bar. You want it to be whatever. Yep. So th- that's actually pretty handy, and uh, I can't believe I missed that. So that's a cool functionality. I really like that. So It is a great functionality. And with yeah. that... Let's take a word from our sponsors. 
And we're back, and we're going to move on in the interface of the NeoVerb to the opposite side of the plugin window, and that contains what? We have, first off, we have the, the controls that you, you'd expect. There's a wet-dry knob. There's actually a level of it as well, mm -hmm. uh, where if you don't have necessarily enough level coming out of your reverb, you could raise that there. But something that we should be aware of so that we're not introducing any clipping or anything like that. Right. We have the pre-delay that we can set. That is sort of universal for the whole plugin. Right? Yes. So we can set that in milliseconds and, again, time sync that as well. Right. So that There's another circle right next to the pre-delay information orb, <laughs> I guess is a good yeah. way of saying it, that has a little note value on it. When you click that, it switches off of milliseconds and goes straight to note values, and then you can switch through all kinds of note values. So it's handy-dandy that you can do it either way with note values or with milliseconds. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And that's something that, that you do a fair bit. Uh, All the time. Because you, you like to do, what, what like a 30-second note or... Or a 16th, whatever I want. Yeah, it's easier if I have a note value for me rather than trying to hunt down what the millisecond value of that note value is at that tempo. This is something for me, when I use that, I tend to always just kind of use my ear where I think it sounds good. But, you know, it's a great starting point, no matter what your workflow is, that mm -hmm. you can have that if you want. And, of course, if you're using a pre-delay more as an effect, you know, you can get more drastic results by using, no, I want that heavy sort of like almost a slap thing on a 16th or whatever. Yep. Right. So that is a cool functionality. It's there if you want to use it, because why not? Yeah. We also have a smooth knob, which the way I understand it is, or at least the way it sounds to me, is that it evens out the reflections somewhat. Mm -hmm. So it, it's to me, it sounds possibly like less spiky. It just feels like a little bit smoother in the high frequencies. Especially. It's sort of like taking sandpaper to the reflections that happened in the tail. Ooh, that, that's a quote <laughs> Is right that there. a way of putting it? I think it's a good way of putting it. That's yeah. What, it's no, just, you're, you're, you're removing the rough edges that happen through the tail. Again, that can help your reverb sit a little bit smoother. It could be maybe a little less obvious and make it, you can actually have it be more prominent if it's not sticking out as much. Mm -hmm. So th that's a cool function to have. And then there is one of my favorite sections of this reverb actually, because I, I, I like this. Now I became aware of this a long time ago with a different thing, but that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> but that was introduces modulation yep. to the reverb. And again, this is presented here in NeoVerb with like an XY axis type of a thing. And you have a little orb that you can draw around anywhere in, in that frequency. And you're controlling a rate and the depth with this. Mm -hmm. right? So it's almost like you're introducing flutter to the effect or almost like a soft tremolo effect to the reverb tail. Well, and you have two types that you can choose from too, in yeah. addition to the rate and the depth. You've got more of a sine wave version and then you've got more of like a stepped or clip rate version as well. Yeah. In the modulation. So different effects on that, one being a little bit smoother, one being a little bit more drastic. Now, the question that I asked first when I came across this sort of thing, an older reverb was, a, why would you want to do that? Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> it's you, there, man. Yeah, could, well, but you'd be forgiven to think that, well, that sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've got a completely wet source and you're listening to that and it's just like, wow, that sounds really, really unnatural. And sure, it can do that. You can use it as a special effect. But just adding 
a little bit of modulation can actually make a reverb tail sound a little bit more natural, especially when yep. it's just tucked in to a level where you want it in the mix and it can feel a little bit more alive. So go drastic for big effects type of thing <laughs> or, or obvious extreme things, but just a little bit of that touch can actually do wonders for that. So yeah. again, tweakability, man. And there's a lot, of, lot of it. Now, there's yeah. another section to the whole plugin, which is like at the bottom end of it. And this is where things can get really interesting as well. Instead of having to run an EQ in front of your NeoVerb plugin, you can let NeoVerb allow you to do EQ prior to hitting the reverbs that happen, which is pretty hip. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a massive EQ. It's just a three-band situation, but it's enough to get things in and out of the way is, is necessary. And each one of those bands can have some adjustability in terms of their frequency, their gain, their cue, that kind of thing. And then the upper and lower portions of the EQ can be chosen between being more like a bandpass or just a regular parametric style EQ. Yeah. And then there's yep. a second section. Go ahead. I was just going to elaborate on that. So you, so you can contour going into it. So if you have the reverb, like most uses tend to be if they're on an aux, right, or you're sending to it you can tweak what's going into the reverb and thereby if you have a lot of low end information perhaps in your signal that when going through reverb can potentially just muddy up a lot of stuff yep. in your track right so you can filter those out before it even hits the reverb so that that's pretty handy yes. and like you said low end high end and you can carve out some mids there as well and it follows up with a post-reverb EQ section. So you can actually tweak the EQ of the reverb once the sound has already hit it. And it's the same setup. It's a high, mid, low type thing with the same tweak abilities of frequencies, the gain, the Q, that kind of thing, and selecting on the high and the low bands, whether or not you want them to be band passes or bell curve type things. And then and that's something that we use. We, we, sorry to cut you off there, Jody. Yep, no worries. Um, that's something that both of us do anyway mm -hmm. a lot where you're actually EQing the reverb, right, or the return, where we mentioned that the, what's it, the, the Abbey Road trick, right, mm -hmm. when you roll off a fair bit of the, the lows and the highs to make it more prominent because it, it's that the extremes there that can just at least fill up the space in a, in a way that becomes overbearing for an entire mix. Yeah, it's just it's too much high end, and it's like oh, you have to tuck the reverb down so far to make it sit. So if you take that out, you can actually bring that body, if you will, of the of the reverb that you want to make it sit higher. So it's nice to have that built in. You know, there are other reverbs have that as well, but that's a cool function. And something that you have worked a lot more than I have mm -hmm. is this because we have that same machine learning thing with this. Yes. In the EQ curve. So maybe you could describe your experience with that. Essentially what they have in this section, in the EQ section of the reverb, is something that is on the button called auto cut. To me, it's just like it listens to the source. It listens to the reverb and it tells you this is where it's getting muddy. This is where it's getting problematic. And when you punch that, it can actually create an automatic curve for you that will remove the mud of the reverb, so to speak, out of the situation. So it becomes a lot easier if you're working fast and you're on a deadline and you don't have the time to sit there and run through frequencies and realize, oh shit, I don't know my frequency so well. I have to be able to hear this and I'm not sure what frequency that is. This actually can tell you, this is where you're having problems with the sources colliding with each other in 
the EQ world and it automatically will notch out the mud. The functionality that you're describing there, Jody does as well. So I think it, it removes potential resonance buildups there as well. So it, it really just helps you get a clean sort of like source of the, of the reverb there to make it sit a little bit better in the mix. And again, that's that machine learning thing that guys at Isotope do, do really well. So That they do. Indeed. What kind of things can we put this thing through for paces? What would you use this for, Chris? I would potentially use it on just about anything. I mean, I have experimented with this a little bit with keyboards mm -hmm. just to kind of see, well, kind of get a better handle of, of what it can do, actually. But I have been really impressed so far in that, again, this is not sort of like a vibe reverb. It's not intended to sound like 480, uh, 224 or whatever unit, right? This, no, this is, is very specifically just a, a spatial situation. I would almost liken it in a way to chromaverb without yes. all the visual bells and whistles that Apple puts into that. Yeah, it is. But I feel like it is just because of the, the tweakability here and you have just the ability because, again, chromaverb, although algorithmic reverb, it is just one type of algorithm in the At sense. a time, yes. It, Right, where this gives you a lot more control. So I have been impressed, actually. And the thing that comes to mind is sort of like describe it as very smooth mm -hmm. and very spacious. So it's it's very clean. It's um, to me, I, I can see using this a lot on vocals, actually moving forward as well. Right. And things where I would probably use it would be things that require some space. You know what I mean? It's Isn't like, that it, where you would run any reverb, though? Come on. <laughs> yeah, sounds so obvious, right? Uh, but what I mean by it is I w it's not one of those, at least right now, that I would use to just add a little bit of early reflection. I would probably use this to have it, the reverb be fairly prominent, mm -hmm. at least the way I feel right now. But okay. I can see it on keys. I, I can see it on anything, really. I mean, you could do, but it's hard to change workflow sometimes. But yeah, vocals, keys, possibly longer guitar effects, that type of thing. What I, about you, though? Because, I mean, you, you've used it more than I have, I think. I have, especially on a lot of production-type music when it comes to TV things and other things of that nature. This is pretty much my go-to reverb at that situation yeah. because it doesn't take as much tweakability to get to a sound that's going to sit a instrument in the space that it needs on something that's production style rather than something that's artist style that you, you might want something that's old or something that is a recreation of something else. This thing is the quick and dirty, get it done fast thing for me. And I use it a lot for that. And I've used it extensively on guitars and drums and keys and things of that nature. I have also used it as part of vocal situations. Mm -hmm. And generally when I tend to do that, I'm going to pick a very specific section of it, not so much blending the three together, but picking one of the three when I use it for vocals. Well, that's one thing too, though. I mean, because you have the option here to use three, doesn't mean that you have to. Mm -mm. So when I tried this out and sort of running it through its paces a little bit more, I... I made a conscious effort to listen to each reverb 
Right. So I would go through, like, the, the listen to the reflections, and then I would listen to a plate, and then I'll listen to a hall, that kind of thing, and then sort of blend to taste, right? So it can be very flexible. But I like what you said there, that you used it on a lot of production stuff because of the fast turnarounds. Yes. Again, right? You might have to, like, yeah, I need a track by tomorrow, you know, that, that type of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's helpful when you have the reverb assistant and the auto cut. I mean, those two buttons alone, you get real close on a reverb that's needed almost instantaneously just with a couple of little questions that it asks. You play the yeah. source through it and bingo, you've got something right then and there. And it might take one or two little tweaks past that point and you've got the sound and it's dialed in right pretty quick. And that's yeah. a great thing when it, you're under a deadline. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, I, I think this could be one of its strengths, too, when we think about it's not like nobody else makes reverbs, right? So you have <laughs> no, to do something lots to, of them out there. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things. What what are you doing that, that's different? And, you know, we talked about a different plugin mm -hmm. um, a few episodes ago that does a similar thing in a different realm. Right. Yeah, it's cool. I, I can see myself reaching for this a little bit more in the future here actually but I, i'm impressed with what i've, I've heard it, it sounds smooth to me and again that modulation tool it is cool it, it sounds <laughs> make odd it with, move make yes it, move. it adds a little bit of movement to it and um never mind going into all the, the tone sculpting that you can do here with favoring certain frequencies or are you favoring the low end are you favoring the high end and, and that's just part of one of the reverb engines right and you got two of those in the medium and the large spaces. So mm -hmm. yeah, lots of stuff going on there. I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. If, um, if you, you were Roger Ebert, it, would it be like two thumbs up? <laughs> I would. Yeah. It, it firmly one and a half at least. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, it, it is a, is a cool sounding reverb. I suppose in the speed of workflow that people might have, the fact that you can do it, you said with the reverb assistant, get you in the ballpark quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have to tweak as much if you don't want to. You can go in and just simply, you know, drag that little ball around and, and see, okay, that's where it sounds good. Cool. Boom. Move on to the next thing type yep. of thing. So that's a strength right there. That's a strength. I concur. And with that, let's shoot for our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got? Well, this is going to come to a shock as to most people, I'm sure, because I think for the second week in a row, I'm choosing a Slate product. No! I know. <laughs> yeah. But we, as Slate subscribers, we got a new plugin this week, and that is the FG Dyn. And what that stands for is the dynamic section of the SSL 4K console. What does the FG so, stand for? They seem to use that a lot. Fabrice Gabriel. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. I know him. Yeah. It's the guy that, that codes <laughs> it. Mastermind behind all that stuff. Yeah. It's a dynamic section of that. It's the filters along with the compression section and the gating section of that as well. Hmm. And we've talked about SSL stuff before, but what makes the dynamics on, on the SSL boards a little different, I suppose, is that it adds the... Uh, makeup level to the compression automatically. So when you're A-Bing stuff, it can be very handy that you don't get fooled by just things being louder, right? So it, it, it deals with that. So I played with it a little bit. I like it. I got it in my subscriber package and therefore 
it is my Friday find of this week. What yeah. about you, good sir? What do you have? I'm going with Soft Tube's Dirty Tape. Ooh. Yeah. I'm surprised that you're not looking at this thing and hadn't heard about it first and so you're talking oh, don't about the SSL I thing. <laughs> don't think I didn't. Right. So the dirty tape is pretty much what it is. It is a tape emulation type plugin and it is free, which is always a good thing. And it's another generous way for SoftTube to give you analog warmth on your signals. So if you need tape emulation, this thing has three different types of tape machines in it and get in there with maybe like hundred grit sandpaper or something on your sound and really kind of rough it up. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, by the name it, it's dirty. It, it's not, I don't think it's meant to be like a smooth sounding tape. Am I right in that? I think it yeah, actually uh, adds it's a, a little bit of grit. It's yeah, supposed yeah. to be gritty and that kind of thing. So that is Hence my, the name, I guess that's my pick. Very cool. Yes. While we've got your attention, we ask that you post about us on your favorite forum or go to our website and leave us a review at insidetherecordingstudio.com forward slash review. You can also go to the website insidetherecordingstudio.com and sign up for our email list. Doing so gets you weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips that come out every so often, usually on Tuesdays because... Hence, they're called Tuesday Tips. Plus, we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of the podcast. And Chris and I give you some presets for some of our favorite plugins for Universal Audio and Slate Digital. If you send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at insidetherecordingstudio.com with the word neoverb, you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic of suggestion for us to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page on our website, and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. And with that, I'll say see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one, Jody. Jody.